Hi, it's Joe. Hi, friends. Aislinn here. And we want to welcome you to the second half of Season 3 of Dinner Table Talks. We are so glad that you are here at our table with us, and we are looking forward to all of the great talks that we're going to have. If you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend. Grab a drink and get your most comfortable chair. Pull it up to the table because we're about to get into it. It felt today like all of the foundational work had been done to where after getting up and quickly mowing of the yard, the area that needed it, that I could spend my day doing anything else that I wanted to because everything else was kind of taken care of. Yeah. That sounds like a nice Saturday right before Father's Day. It was a fantastic Saturday. (laughs) Got the drapes hung. (laughs) You did help me prep for that class this morning. We spent some time today, my friend Cassie Vanechik, and she has an online presence called The Unhinged Homesteader. She is a studying naturopath, and we started talking about her doing some classes, and then she did a farm forage class out here. This was the follow-up makers class, the tinctures, tonics, and selves. Selves. <laughs> it went well this morning. It was a nice little turnout. It rained. That was weird. I felt like it. we called it. It was this like burst. quick burst. Yep. But hard. Yes. And you guys had just gathered in the yeah, like pavilion and it timing. was, that tin roof was going nuts. Yes. But Joe made us up some tea. I'm and the he, tea guy. Uh, and we added some spearmint and some lemon balm to it. And of course, because the class is about using these different plants and medicinal things you can grow on your property, mm-hmm. different ways to use those. It was great to have that available because that's one of the things you, you would do is put it into your teas. Yeah, we're, we really are figuring out ways to use the pavilion as a family here on the farm. Mm-hmm. Of course, having a nice dinner tomorrow for Father's Day. Yep. Your mom's frying a bunch of chicken. She is. And I'm excited about that. I bet we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, I think it. a lot of it comes down to a lot of the ongoing conversations and things we've been talking about at the dinner table about just... What are the values of the human race currently, (laughs) you know? And that may seem like a very like, dude, she just went down a rabbit hole there. But the thing about it is for me that it's all connected. And whatever it is that I'm doing here at the farm and whatever time I'm spending as I do things like host classes where a friend comes and teaches people how to prep salves and tinctures we are prepping. I mean, that's, that's a part of what we're doing, but I'm not here to like sell you something that you're not interested in buying. You know, I'm not here to be a fear-based marketer. I'm here to do the things that I enjoy doing. We're here as a family to enjoy these things together. And we've got this great space that my dad has grown up And my dad and mom's dreams met together in these different projects that have created things that we are so excited to get to be involved in. And how do I bring people into that, but in a way that meets my highest values and your highest values? They're the most enjoyable. Well, enjoyable has got to be at the top of that. Like, does it feel good? Mm -hmm. Do I enjoy it? Mm -hmm. I enjoy being out in the garden And I enjoy flowers and I enjoy being a part of planting seeds to start new plants, to start new projects. Okay, let's try this thing. Let's plant this seed. We're going to provide it all the opportunity to succeed 
Is this a plant that's going to thrive here or not? Each one of these things, the long lunch club, doing the family farm camp, day family farm camp, doing these collaborative classes with someone that comes and teaches us some things here and shows us what she knows, hosting these dinner table talk, dinner events. Right. Now I've got this idea kind of brewing up where we are just coming together for food fellowship and service. And what does that mean? Well, I've got a space out here. I want people to come and be a part of it. It's therapeutic for you. And I think that you want to share that notion with other people. Well, absolutely. But here's the thing. I want people that want to be invested in it. And so what does that mean? Okay. So let's take it from all the one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. People that are willing to fork out the moment my household larders come out, my, that system comes out, right? fork over the dollar for it that day. Yeah. No questions asked. I want to get it fast before it sells out. We're invested. Right. Right. All the way on the other side to where people are like, you charge for that, you know, but there is literally, and I don't mean to say like, like kind of the cliche things that we say, like nothing is free and freedom ain't free and all the the like cliche things we, but that is the truth. There is nothing that is free. I understand that there's a shift in economics right now. I understand that the gas prices, the food prices, I understand that the idea that your budget may shift so far away from the idea that you can even put any money into education or luxury or any of that, that you're just simply beginning to focus 100% on the essentials, but you also still really value learning how to grow food and learning more options for sourcing food and is there a positive trajectory and people interested in that i don't know i don't know the answer to that question feels like it to me it does feel like it but i also know that we surround ourselves with a bubble of it you know that's a good point um i do know that i went to the farmer's market on wednesday Mm -hmm. and i was standing there having a chat with someone i've been friends with a long time long before i started down the grow local path her and some of the projects that she partnered with, she brought to me so that she could help me be successful. So she's standing there with me. We're looking around the farmer's market. We're having a very honest conversation. And she says, this farmer's market looks better than farmer's markets we've seen in many Junes. You are 100% correct. That is correct. Maybe that's a part of this thing that I'm trying to like work out all the time is that I can literally see both ends of the spectrum, but they're like really far away from each other. This hope and this lightness and this peace and this harmony and this perfection and this beauty and all this stuff. But then in the very same sphere, there's complete apathy and complete illness and complete negligence. Both sides are kind of screaming out loud right now. Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's very, that's a very good way to say it. And it's just, I don't know how to explain because I hear so many people saying like, I don't know what to do to move forward. I'm stuck. I want out of everything, but don't know how to get out of anything. That's a common. I'm exactly where I always wanted to be and I don't want any of it. There's this yin yang loudness that is going on and it makes you feel like you're just in this constant state of tumultuousness. And so because of that, if there are people out there who are doers and who need some balance, grounding, they need to be grounded into something. They need to see that there is even in the drought and the rain and the flood and all of the different things that occur in the life, the death, all the things that occur in nature, even in that 
very like opposing yin and yang world of the garden. See, here's, let you me can ask see you this. It. You're using yin and yang as combative. But no, I, no, I'm not calling them combative, but they're going to create friction. But the like, goal of yin yang is harmony. It's, goal, it's having two separate things that fit together. Think of the picture. Exactly. But what if you're like drawing, what if they're being like drawn apart from each other so hard that it's causing like this friction of tumultuousness that is like. Well, there certainly is a dualistic exactly. nature of exactly. inhumanity right now. Exactly. We must take a side on everything. It's us versus you on yeah. everything. Yeah. And that's exhausting. It's exhausting. And then my brain goes backwards on it over and over and over again. I don't believe in separation. At the end of the day, I can go on and on and on with everyone about every conversation. We can have all of these philosophical, interesting conversation about friction and duality and yin and yang and dark and light and the choices we make in life and our value systems and all of that. But when it comes down to it, I am all just like you are. There is nothing that is separate. And so if we don't both agree, if we don't agree about that, then we're going to always be separated in our conversation. But that's okay. It's okay. Well, because, it used to be because okay. It has to be okay. I mean, that's the thing with, with non-duality. No matter what you choose to believe, I have to understand that that is 100% okay because I'm a part of it. But I believe that. And so I have to live in that. And that doesn't mean other people do believe that. And they can live however they choose to. And that's the craziest part about what's happening right now is that I'm sitting in rooms with people telling me that people who are calling themselves people that love everyone from the highest level of light and love, they cannot hang out with this other person because they got in a tiff over some other little like Nothing. nonsensical political uh -huh. discussion. So that's impossible what you just said. It's it's making me desire to completely disconnect but at the same time be here for those that are looking for some way to completely disconnect but yet be connected it's in the same like how do we get out here in the garden yeah. and work alongside each other? I catch myself in conversations these days where and I'm not by any means perfect at it. Hey, did you hear about the this and the this? Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. I, I People don't, ask I you don't. that question. Yeah, right, right, oh, right. Yeah. Now, sometimes the answer is yes. Yeah. I, mean, I am trying to get away from some media where when you figure out the cyclical purpose of how they make money and what's working for them to keep people clicking, no, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. But it's one of those shifts that, you know, I still like the news on this topic or that subject. You know? Well, but that's the thing about it is there's so many layers of letting it go. There's so many layers to, okay, well, just when you thought you let it go, you get slapped upside the head real hard with something that you like. That was just your ego pretending it let something go. But you're safe to gossip with, so I'm going to gossip with you. Like, that's what ends up happening. Even when we, so we're sitting in this space of like quiet and prayer and gardening and meditation and whatever all by ourselves, that's great. But what about when you go back into the world again and you react with other people? I'm trying to create a space where some of us can get together, garden, cook a meal, 
talk about some things that, I mean, like it's hard to get into conversations, safe conversations where you can just openly and protectedly have hard conversations. It's so hard to even walk into a grocery store these days anymore without being set off by something because someone said something and someone else said something and they were triggered and that triggered you and this triggered you. And these are literally just like words that people are saying. It's everyone is like a powder keg right now. So how do we come together sharing a, a meal that can be affordable? Affordable, how? Because if you're invested and interested in learning how to garden or gardening or bringing yourself to a space where you can ground or having a delicious meal or whatever, well, then you are going to be 100% willing to help out and make it happen and bring things to the table that help make it happen. And so we're able to like start coming up with some of these concepts out here. You're, You're creating a dinner salon. I just figured this out. Well, but it's even different than a dinner salon because we're going to like go work together. This is not like rocket science, by the way. How many farms in the world have people that come over, help with a project in the morning, make lunch together, serve a lunch dinner table together, sit down, eat and talk, dinner, lunch, whatever. You're right. A dinner table, I mean, a salon. Thank you. It's a dinner table talk. This is how it has worked where people have actually been able to change the world, change the whole trajectory of certain types of real concerns. And for us, all we can do right now is take care of our closest community. That's literally all we can do. I know what you mean. I've You articulated that well, this sizzling energy. Mm-hmm. When you go to, like, see, so you don't even go to the store. No, no, no. But I go in. But when public. I go to the store, if you want to create a pre-COVID, post-COVID kind of thing, it, we, people are different. Yes, it absolutely. Is, it, this is just my observation. This is a sociological event that we have never gone through before. We have never gone through before. That's what I meant. The the living generation. Yeah. And when I talk about generation, I'm talking about median age. Yeah. Because there are people on the older ages that have gone through things similar. But most of them can hardly even remember yesterday. The ones or they're one generation that... removed and remembered hearing those tales. And so the first one is coming up. It's actually going to be on Wednesday. And I'm excited to, it's a morning time thing. So we're going to get up early in the morning. We're going to work on a project outside together. We're going to prep a meal and then we're going to have lunch and have a talk. And the entire thing is free but you can't just show up. <laughs> you got to let me know you're coming. So go over to my website, acelincampbell.com, if you live in our area or if whatever, I don't know, you're traveling to our area, get in touch with us. That'd be cool too. I would love to meet you and have lunch with you and work with you on our farm. It's acelincampbell.com. Get to the Growing with Grace page and there's a place where you can RSVP on there as well. Or just go on and sign up for my email. And then you'll see when these events come up as we begin to create the things that are really going to make this sustainable homestead be the sustainable homestead that I believe my entire family is looking for as a legacy to our community. Unanswered questions. Last week we talked about the wasp stings. Yes, yes, yes. Yellow jackets. Yeah. Posted a little thing on Facebook and... We got all kinds of responses. (laughs) 
Terry says basil oil. Well, it's interesting that you said that because immediately today during Cassie's class, I grow a lot of basil out here and I've done basil tinctures and stuff like that with it. So I was like, oh, we need to try that next time. Like putting the basil tincture right on the sting as well. I'd like to see some other options besides just this one. Like what if we couldn't buy that from the Mm -hmm. grocery store? What do we have growing out here on the farm? And Emily says, I find copious repeated curse words the best home (laughs) remedy. It's like she was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's fun. I'm noticing that it's happening a lot these days, that people are really starting to interact with us and, and talk back to us, which is a lot of fun. So please continue to do that. We love it. I gave this next unanswered question a lot of thought. As residents of this bird sanctuary that we live in, mm-hmm. Corpus Christi, Oasis County. Oh, yes, yes, The yes. birdiest the city part where in America. I, did, I didn't know the name of the pink stork-looking thing that flew out of our tank last week. It wasn't five seconds after the podcast came out that your mom texted you yes, the answer. Yes, yes. yet Spoonbill. Yes. I should a, have known that. <laughs> well, I was, I'm going to get to that. It's a gregarious wading bird of the Ibis and Spoonbill family. It's a resident breeder in both South and North America from March through October. Roseate spoonbills prefer the bays, marshes, and estuaries along the Gulf Coast. We have a lot of birds here, you guys. If you are not from our area and you like birds or you're remotely interested in nature, you should come to the Gulf Coast, come to the Coastal Bend to see the birds, especially in April. We That's happen a really to good be time. on a collision yes. of migratory paths for birds. Yes. And if you're coming down here, you should definitely tell me you're coming so that you can come here to the farm and see the birds that are crossing right here at the farm. I'm excited about something. Mm-hmm. When we first moved into the previous house, we had that typical like 50s tract housing lot size with that postage stamp green St. Augustine grass, as far as the eye could see in the backyard. Uh-huh, right. And with a pecan tree sticking out. Yes, a very nice pecan tree, I must say. And I don't. I read an article, I don't remember, the way to bring life to your home, your new home, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah, is to create a bird station. I think it's placemaking. That would be my thing. Yeah, like, and your mom... Bird Sanctuary is one of those Your mom is a fa- fabulous resource. Oh, yeah. And friends like Shelly. For birds, yeah. Shelly's husband made the tapache that he gave us. And you, you made tapache. You wanted a pineapple this week. <laughs> I used the rinds to make tapache. There are so many connections in our network. <laughs> a network of people that found out that we wanted to attract birds were saying you need to have water. That's why you have bird baths. Uh-huh. Seed, of course. Uh-huh. That's why you have bird feeders. Yeah. And birds are attracted to places where there is motion in the water, which is why I created that drip. Uh-huh. Yeah. And in an area where they can evade a predator. Yes. And we created this bird situation. Yep. And it was fun. When your gardens got to a point, it was Mm -hmm. time to get rid of the bird Mm -hmm. because they can do some damage. Well, if you have a very small garden and a big bird sanctuary, you're going to have more birds than your garden can. The ratio is off. Yes. (laughs) Well, since you've got so much area out here, we have used the last two weeks to kind of put together and spruce up our bird sanctuary area. Yes. We and do. I noted today some twit twit twittering that I didn't recognize. And I looked out the window and the guy was eating our seeds. The guy. I'm very excited. We'll call him the guy. <laughs> Why is it called a Dutch oven? Because a guy saw a similar pot in the Netherlands, mm-hmm. came home and began manufacturing them and called them Dutch ovens in reference to where he learned of it. So it's not like some kind of old like 
Dutch oven. It's just, we stole the name of that from well, I don't know who whoever we made is. it. I, I stole we, nothing. Yeah, you're right. I didn't steal. Now, in America, when you see a Dutch oven called for in a recipe, it's usually like just any lidded metal pot. Right. Your aluminum, your stainless, whatever. Right. But a Dutch oven uh-huh. is cast iron. And the closest thing we have is that Le Creuset pot that I don't use at all. Yeah. The enamel Le covered Creuset. cast iron. Mm-hmm. Although I use my cast iron every day. We have a Le Creuset teapot very fancy so, so fancy we live in luxury <laughs> we used the waterford <laughs> people should come hang out with us here at the farm people by the way should put a backyard bird watching station in people should put a uh, it is so much fun one of my most favorite gardening stories learning with you go ahead the caterpillar yeah, story. Yeah, 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 And that was, okay, that was our bird station attracting the red, what was Oriole? What was it? A no, 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 not cardinal. an Oriole. Yeah, the cardinal, the cardinal. And you with fields of dill for caterpillars to munch yeah, on before yeah. they go to... Early gardening in the backyard. I mean, er, we were still in the very early development yeah. of those gardens. And the, and the thing we did there was create these little pockets where you wanted to set a chair... Yeah. And enjoy the That's how I do it out here, too. I move my chair around once I develop the... (laughs) Yeah. So we're sitting there watching... I'm watching this caterpillar all day long. Oh, he's just like so excited. And he's like, I can tell that this caterpillar is about to cocoon. Yes. And it was. And I want to watch the whole thing. And I've been sitting there watching it with him a few days. And I hadn't really thought this out or anything. But all of a sudden, I look up... And just a few feet away is a cardinal. Doing his job with our bird seed that we're laying out for him. And I look down at the caterpillar that Joe's been watching and is watching currently. And I go, I didn't say it out loud. I thought it. That caterpillar's about to be gone. Mm-hmm. And zoop, zoop. I mean, it was the fastest thing. And you were like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like I think we'd even named that caterpillar like Leroy or something like that. This <laughs> show had a biggest twist in it. You don't kill off the main character. So I saw someone had written... They'd made Fideo on, I don't know, some social media, probably Instagram, because that's where I follow people more now than anywhere else. And I was like, mmm, Fideo, that sounds delicious. And of course, the subject comes up about what's for dinner, what are we going to do for dinner, Mm -hmm. do you have any ideas, whatever. And I was like, Fideo? And then you were like, name something else. And I said, "Uh, Pollo con calabaza? So apparently I was having the like... Well, I, I know you knew you to, what was coming out of the garden. Yeah, tomatoes. And my tomato thing is always going to lean more. Your tomato thing is always going to lean more towards Italian food. It's brewing right now. My my tomato thing is always going to lean more towards Mexican food. And we're about to talk about it. Yeah. So the fideo got made. And interesting, on Instagram, someone did ask me the question, what gluten-free noodles did you use for fideo? Right. So tell us about that. Okay, so Fideo, to my mind, immediately goes to the yellow box package of Fideo Vermicelli by Q&Q. Okay, that yeah, That was yeah, yeah. always in my pantry growing up as a kid, yeah. as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. But my mom used those noodles to break them up real small and serve them in like broth mm-hmm. for a quick and easy noodle soup. I thought they were already broken into little pieces. Maybe they were. I don't. I wasn't involved. In that's the what I thought. The fide- That's I mean, what I thought. To fideo that box. was. Yeah. Well, fideo is AKA vermicelli. Right. That part I knew. Vermicelli, thin noodle. And the way I was served fideo noodles was not accurate at all. I don't think like I've ever had, had fideo, fideo. <laughs> prior to now. <laughs> it's basically just chicken noodle soup with tomato soup, tomato in it, right? There was no chicken. 
No? Okay, well, I don't even know what I was eating, so could you tell me? <laughs> please, please tell me what I was eating. Isn't that strange? Like, I'm like, I crave fideo. I have no idea what fideo is. Traditional fideo is homemade tomato sauce. Okay. Tomatoes, onions, garlic. Uh-huh. I just pureed it in the processor. Oh, that makes it even better. In homemade chicken broth. Okay. So you can make this a completely vegetarian, gluten-free thing. Now, you asked about the gluten-free noodles. Uh-huh. I googled... Uh, gluten-free. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I Googled. Made it really exciting with that inflection. Gluten-free fideo. And it is available, but not in our market. Yeah. So the recipes would say, use any spaghetti-type noodle that's gluten-free. Uh-huh. But the other trick is to fry your noodles. Now, when you're frying fideo noodles, your durum wheat, mm-hmm. is that going to be the same as a gluten-free noodle? I don't know, but here we go. Right. So I broke them into small pieces and fry them in mm-hmm. oil mm-hmm. until they get the, the golden brown. If it's the durum wheat, I think I got it to what the gluten-free noodles were. Uh-huh. I used barilla, gluten-free spaghetti. So nothing special, just gluten-free spaghetti. But you broke it up like fideo noodles. Mm-hmm. And you fry it up, fried it. Add your homemade tomato sauce, add mm-hmm. your broth, boil, you're done. I said to myself, well, let's get a bunch of vegetables in there, too. It's not going to hurt it. It's so good. It was so really I good. So I finally diced mm-hmm. the squash and zucchini and yellow squash, uh-huh. pre-kind of softened it, and then dumped it into the dish before I served it to you. Thinly sliced avocado on top. Mm-hmm. Yep. That made a difference. And a squirt of lime. Yeah, it was good. It's official. I love soups, and I would eat soup for lunch every single day. Soup's a good Ving diagram for my cooking and your eating because there's plenty of leftovers and you can eat lunch throughout the day. Mm-hmm. And it's quite nice. I did add week. a little bit of cilantro salt that I've made into it just to give it a little more pop. I liked that a lot too. I would also say I've been using a lot more of my pepper vinegar where oh. I take my hottest peppers and put them in a jar and then fill that jar up with some good like wine vinegar. And I've been adding that to like a lot of things and I love it. I'm like addicted to it now. It's like spicy vinegar stuff. I also made the pollo con calabasas. That's one of my most favorite things that is ever made. But we that. have discussed that before. We have. And plenty I will put times. that episode number right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, starting this time of the year in South Texas, it is squash season. So that squash I used in the fideo, I bought twice as much as I needed so that I could make pollo con calabasas. It's one of those dishes we make when squash first hits. Chicken with squash. You've got to try it at your place, and you can hear all about us making it back in episode 2.46. Go check that one out. Speaking of delicious soups for lunch, which Mm. is my absolute favorite, I had a perfect lunch the other day. Some friends of mine that I had gotten to know back in my girl local days when I was getting to know a lot of the chefs from our local college culinary school, Del Mar, they were coming and doing some different projects with Grow Local. They were helping out with fundraisers. They were doing some chefs competitions at the farmer's market, you know, stuff like that. And I'd gotten to know a couple of chefs that had just partnered up with a local nonprofits club facility that had a really nice kitchen. It was one of the things that we were constantly asked about with Grow Local was we've got this kitchen. It's a certified kitchen. 
would you know anybody that would be willing to kind of take it over and use it? So what the nonprofit is looking for is getting some funds, being a landlord of basically a chef in their kitchen. Right. But those kitchens aren't necessarily always set up. They're club kitchens or church kitchens or whatever. They're not necessarily set up for like a restaurant. Right. But this particular situation is pretty nice. They are serving lunch five days a week there now. What drew me to it was they had cucumber soup on the menu. Yes, I chased cucumber soup. Yeah, cold cucumber soup especially. Cold, yeah. No, cold cucumber soup. There's a place in town that I always get it at. I never can get a a solid when are they going to have it for sure. So I like show up in the time of year when I expect to see it and hope that they have it on the menu, you know, that kind of thing. But I see this. Get your mom. You gather your mom up. It's just down the street from where she lives. Yeah. So you've got this win, win, win going on in this situation. You've got four chefs that are trying to launch their culinary career in South Texas. Right. You've got a nonprofit space that is utilizing its space in a way that it's probably not been used in many years. It's a pop-up restaurant Mm -hmm. that can totally work. They've got the room for it. They've Mm -hmm. got the kitchen. They've got nice restrooms. They've got, you know, they've got the whole setup, right? And now they've got this lunch menu. So the name of it, so for everybody that lives here locally, they're called the USS Chefs. And the location that they're using is the Corpus Christi Seaman Center. Okay. I, I've never been there before. I mean, that's another win for the whole thing is I've, I knew this place existed. Right. It's in a historical part of right. our town that you're likely to drive around. Right. Kind of the Tory tourist area. Right. They call it the Sea District now, by right. the way. <laughs> and I'd never gone in, but you walk in and it's like yeah. the history of how our city has been used to be the way station for people from all over the world. Yep, exactly. We go in there and it's, okay, first they come out and they serve us this amazing cucumber soup. Right. My favorite. She said it's got a little bit of avocado right, in it. Right, smoothed it out. Oh, one of the conversations that I had with this chef, um, Zelina, I was speaking to her about it. She mentioned the reason that she doesn't use wheat to thicken up a creamy soup that was my first question. Let me ask you, is this got wheat? Is anything in this meal got wheat in it? Because mm-hmm. I even need to know about the cream soups because sometimes the cream soups have wheat in them. Sure. And she goes, Maru. you know what I do? I use starches from like potatoes. Remember we uh-huh. talked about yeah. that a few episodes ago. The about pasta using... water, the potato water, how it can creamy up a soup. Exactly. Now we're having this beautiful salad with the homemade dressing that she's made. And she doesn't like to call it a vinaigrette because it actually doesn't have any vinegar in it. It's just this bright, lemony, citrus, you know. Mm -hmm. So they're getting to now talk to people they're super excited about because here we are, you know, we talk about food on a podcast once a week. We talk about food in lives on Facebook once a week. You know, we, we serve our own menus. We're, here's a interesting conversation brewing over here. Mm-hmm. Then another lady that I've met from the farmer's market, she comes over and sits down at the table and she is like vegan extraordinaire. Yep. You can, did you know you can get it vegan? And I'm like, yes. And so this conversation about special well, diets I'm is a, like I'm the center you. of the table here. It's a, 70-something-year-old woman mm-hmm. talking at a table mm-hmm. with you and I, mm-hmm. and then my... And she's been a follower of mine. She supports Grow right. Local and Farm to Table, and she comes to the farmer's market, and so we've known each other a while. With my 80, low 80 mom... Right. ...who hasn't made all of the best health decisions in life, and is maybe experiencing some of the follow-up on all that... Mm-hmm. Hearing some a contemporary of hers speak completely differently mm-hmm. about health and diet mm-hmm. and 
and be in, in a completely different how to wellness solve space, my problems. mental space, everything. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. Then it was followed up with tostadas because you know, you're in South Texas. My absolute favorite thing to eat is either nachos or tostadas. Right. You know. Last but not least, even a dessert that I could eat. It was this amazing vegan. You got to say the vegan part because that was the part that the lady that came and sat at our table was so excited. You know you can get all this stuff vegan. And I was like, I am so excited to be here with chefs that I love and can talk to. Right. Well, this a continuation of that. mango mousse with mm -hmm. chia seed. Or I don't even know. Some kind of delicious, amazing recipe. I know that Dana and Zelina could tell us all about it later on, maybe, or something. Maybe we'll get them involved in a dinner table talk. That's how, that would be a lot of fun. That would be fun. Yeah. It was a great meal. That evening was the same evening that we went to the farmer's market. And I probably told 10 different people, have you heard? You got to go. It's at lunch hour. Yeah. You know, that's a big deal. Lunch, a new place to eat lunch at downtown. That is a solid. <laughs> people want it, it's that. It's one of those places. And you and I have had the blessing of being involved in this kind of thing when it comes to food and restaurants a few times. The secret's about to get out. Mm -hmm. And we, we know it right now. But once that place catches on, it'll we'll have to add some tables. Yeah. I'm always hearing about interesting projects that my chef friends are doing. And I've been able to get into a few more conversations with some of them and talking to them about some more projects we can do here out at the farm and some different things that we can host. So it's a continuation of that growing your network conversation. Exactly. I mean, we, another person that we know who was a local chef and did some government chef work just sent me her Facebook page for her brand new locally sourced restaurant yeah yeah oh yeah i've been involved in the early conversations with her and on that, that project mm -hmm. would be a huge step forward yeah and then you struggle sometimes in our market with finding an audience for people that understand those values all i have to do is thank god for the idea to put the flag in the sand or plant the seed of years ago that we needed to start developing a local food network down here mm -hmm. I mean, the idea that you could even discuss having a restaurant that serves locally sourced food down here is you couldn't have even had that. I mean, let people, me ask you this. Since the time you started the farmer's market 10, 10 years ago, 2012 is when the farmer's market started to now 10 years ago. Yep, exactly. The biggest hole immediately known was that absence of a network of a food network. Absolutely. So and like so many things that are challenged here. What's the report card now for it? Because 10 years ago, you never could have done a restaurant that did 100% locally sourced menu. You couldn't do it. Could no. you do it now? It would have to be very seasonal. It has to be very seasonal. I think it still has to be pretty small scale. I think that it'll be interesting to see the the way that it gets pulled off. The way that it gets pulled off. Because I know what like Francesco does, you know, and I know what Aras does. And I know the different restaurants in town that do buy things from people. But I think that it is 100% possible. I think anything is 100% possible. We've already had that conversation well, many times. That's the other switch that went off pre-COVID, post-COVID. It goes back to what you were talking about. Both sides. There is so much positive that erupted from that event. It's Which both one are you spectrum, more interested in? Spectrum are very loud. That's, yeah. that's a very good... I mean, it's just like this constant like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But a lot of people are saying, this is my chance. This is a reason to go after this different thing that I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that some of those gaps in this food network are being filled that way. Because we were behind the curve on some things, we learned some things when the mistakes were made by the leaders of doing things. 
I'm going to take some credit. <laughs> I'm going to take some credit for being a good, strong leader to kick off something and saying, we've got to kick it off right so we don't make the mistakes that other people already made about farmer's markets and sure. locally sourced restaurants. But and Because Houston should have had easy to find local food sourcing system way many years before they did. Yeah. And it's still a struggle in Houston. For that matter, it's still a struggle in Austin. You can find it, but it's, it's easier definitely... To find. But per capita. And I'm like, down here, it had some good leadership from the beginning. But I didn't just draw in, hey, everybody come follow me. I drew in leaders and planted seeds. And now here we are going, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. And you have to have people that are willing to do experiments and see those things just simply not work. But then the other side of me, when you ask me the question, is it evolving? Is it growing? Is it improving? I just go, man, the, some of the same stupid damn politics are getting in the way of the development and the growth of something that is really, in my opinion, a life and death situation. Like, do we have ac access to wellness? Do we have access to food? Do we have access to clean food? Do we have access to locally sourced food? Do we have access to life? basically. And we're still having political fights about it in certain spectrums. That's and why certain you create places. your own network. Yeah. That's a hundred percent. It's a choice to be involved in those politics. If it's, you say, I'm not going to be involved in that, but Hey, look, the strawberries look great. I mean, from a consumer standpoint in the last 10 years is the person that does the shopping basically for right, you and I, right? You've seen it. Change. It's leaps and yes, beyond. Absolutely. I've got access to several meat vendors. Yes. Yeah. We can buy hot dogs at the farmer's market. Sometimes. <laughs> like wings at the farmer's market. We can buy strawberries, peaches. We can... I'm seeing yeah. new vendors that are doing innovative things. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing... Old vendors coming by, back. I was going to yeah. say, standby uh -huh. vendors, those tried and true folks that uh -huh. bringing more and more. I mean, gluten-free donuts for you. I mean, what are we yeah. talking about? It <laughs> yes. is It is yes. on a very, very positive trajectory from a consumer. I do find it fascinating when I'm listening to people complain about how few options there are. I'm like, you have no Gotta idea. Create your own network. I'm like, really, you have no idea how bad it was but and how much better in the light years ahead Two of things. where we were, right. you know, um, sitting there having that conversation with somebody about the vegetarian vegan. And I, and the thing that I find really fascinating is that every single time I get into a conversation with like a wellness leader, that maybe is new to being a leader in the wellness leader industry or new to town, you know, some of those mm -hmm. spaces, I'm like, oh, we've been fighting these battles for so, so long. And I can, but I can feel in them a sense of like urgency. And the thing that concerns me is, and this is the thing that always concerned me about me too. And that is a victim sense about it. I'm so angry with this city for not knowing what it needs to know. And it's, and because they don't listen and because that, you know, you get this like sense of like, oh, and it's just because I use this certain word and that certain word turns people off, you know, or man, if they could just understand the historical, I mean, I'm listening to people tell the exact same stories mm -hmm. that I have been telling for 20 years. And or that you've been hearing for 20 years. Exactly, exactly. I guess this is part of what's my tumult in the midst of these like dualistic thought processes. Well, so like, is your suggestion new, innovative things because those things that they're still griping about in the last 20 years My suggestion still aren't is working? stop fighting amongst yourselves. 
How do we create a network Remove of wellness people? Yeah. And in the network of wellness people, we're so still lack-minded and apathetic and still stuck in shame, guilt, fear, blah, 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 that we fight amongst ourselves. I mean, it's why I left the farmer's market world. It is literally why I don't participate in farmer's markets. Because farmer's markets are no different than any other human political system, right? It's all a part of the same, like dynamics. So for me, it's like one extreme to the other. On one extreme, it's like you can get access to this beautiful, delicious, amazing food. And an outsider comes in and they're like, oh, they come, oh, I found this like mm -hmm. heaven, this crown of beauty with look at this beautiful bay and look at the potential this city has and look at this farmer's market and look at the da 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 da, -da. And then you sit down next to somebody that's been fighting for 20 years to get the little ounce of like wellness and it feels a little bit challenging based on literally the question you asked is it getting better i don't know i really don't know and that's because i'm feeling so much tumult on both sides i can see the complete and total joy of things going on and the beauty and i can see the complete and total like exclusion of people we don't want them involved because they don't believe in what we believe in. And it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to my heart. And so my heart is going, what do I do to solve this problem internally? Because that's the only way I know how to solve it is to, to get inside myself and figure out why am I warring inside? That's my answer to that, like, mm -hmm. you know, back and forth to molt, you know, and I know that everyone has their own. Why way am I of, choosing to have this reaction? Well, I'm even to the point of it's beyond choosing. Yes, I understand that at the broader sense of things, I'm choosing it. But at the same time, I'm still a human that's in it. This is where my intention setting, moon setting goal for the end of 2022 was how do I live in it, but not of it? Like, how do I be a part of supporting and committed to being a light leader and lifting things up and being a part of the wellness yeah. of a community, but not feeling so drawn into it that I'm constantly being drawn into the egoic battles that we're all still having. And I'm even having them, that's what I say about internally. I'm even having them internally. Like I have an internal anxious tumult going on because I know that there's like still a battle within. Going back to what I said about almost having a complete media ban because I want to keep one toe in there. There's comfort in that. You know what I'm your saying? Your ego still wants you to serve. Sure. That's that, sure. Because there's something inside your brain. Because I know inside my brain, my egoic brain tells me I'm crazy all of the time. It says, you are insane. Stop telling people this stuff. And then I'm like, what? Why would I not stop telling them? Turn that junk off. If it's making you so angry at the world, why are you watching it? But we're afraid that if we turn it off, we're so conditioned we're afraid that if we turn it off, we'll miss something. Follow. And the thing we miss might be the very worst catastrophe that we all needed to know about. Or the daily very worst catastrophe that we all need to know about. Mm -hmm. You know, Or I might miss the new thing that I've been conditioned to purchase. Oh, I didn't even know that we're supposed to be all purchasing that thing now. Oh my God. 
They're almost out of them. How will I purchase them? I mean, if you think about that, guess what's going to happen if you say to the world, we're having a tampon shortage. Every woman is going to run to the store for herself and her daughters and stock up the pantry with yeah, tampons. Sure. Guess what happens when every woman goes to the store and buys an extra glut of tampons when there was a little bit of decrease in the amount of tampon production. Really, all there was a decrease in is the 8,000 different types of tampons you can use. Are we going without tampons? No, there's freaking tampons there. Choose a different brand for a minute. I can't contribute to this. You went to the store and bought them. Well, I know. Well, and here's the thing. I saw it too. I saw tampon shortage. Guess what? I don't want to be without tampons. That's a bad day in my book. Right? So what am I going to do? Hey, um, I don't want to be concerned about these conspiracy theory things. And then the, the news is all getting me all stirred up again. But um, could you run to the store immediately and buy tampons? Because and, and we need to make sure that the girls have at least a box or two in there. I mean, that didn't actually happen. But that, there was a sense, like my insanity inside my internal like combustion of my body was saying, my daughters, my daughter, you know, like this whole crazy nonsense that's going on out there that is causing this stuff. And we're being told to do it egg shortage price of eggs you better make sure you got a good farmer friend you when you're looking for your eggs network. you know and i don't mean to be that asshole i really don't i mean to be the loving lighthouse but i've got just as much anxiety and fear and as anyone else does because i don't know anybody that's not having the same feelings i'm having every single person i talk to is like up in arms about everything. And they're, tr they're the ones that are trying really hard to figure out how not to be up in arms about it. Mm. Not the ones that are just like, oh, whatever, I'm going to be up in arms. I'll just be up in arms. It's difficult to understand that it's a choice. And then it's difficult to make a different choice. And it's difficult to follow through with that choice if you make it, is all that I'm saying. <laughs> it's all that you're saying. But it's a choice worth thinking about. Yeah. This doesn't feel good. Uh, let me stop doing that. It's going to be difficult when the presidential election for me, for me, when that kicks up again. Oh, God. Because I'm, tra I'm trained. You know what? You know what happened like when you said to me when I those peck, words? Peck, 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 yeah. I literally feel like I want to vomit right now. I know, now. right? Like, it is in my throat. Just, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to live in a world where that exists that wanna, for me anymore. I know that I don't want to contribute in any way whatsoever. I honestly, I don't know how good I am at it, but... Of not contributing to rancor on that subject. Because I... But the thing about it is, is that if you contribute to, to rancor change. on any subject... Understood. Then you contribute rancor to all subjects. Well, I'm saying that... That's the part. You can't compartmentalize mm. it. So that's the reason why I keep saying, if I'm creating rancor about somebody that picked on me on Facebook, yeah. which actually happened, you guys... I have rancor. I feel unhappiness. And that is enough rancor to cause us to send pulse waves out into the 7.9 billion pulse wave makers on this planet that all are sending their rancor. And every single rancorous thought you have yeah. creates more of it. But understanding that it's a choice to not have that. How do you stop it, though? How do you live in it but not of it? It's hard. 
I get up every morning and I pray to God, please show me the way, the light, and the truth. Every single morning, give me the answer today to move forward and feel like there's a reason I'm here living through this. And then I think about it and I think, well, this isn't the Dust Bowl. We're not in a civil war. I mean, like, what are we even in? We don't even know. We, we don't even know what uncomfortable is. I mean, that's the reason why we're up in arms about tampons, because not that many years ago, and formula, not that many years ago, people made do with what they had. Sriracha. Oh my God, it's mm-hmm. the end of the world. No sriracha? What am I going to put on my tampon? <laughs> Let's bring this episode home with our random question of the week. Did you ever have an imaginary friend? Uh, In my memory, no. But as an only child with a very extravagant imagination Mm -hmm. and a lot of Star Wars figures and toys and stuff, Mm -hmm. I would make worlds in my room. I would read a book and then act it out with characters and costumes and all kinds of things in my room. But I never like referred to Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. (laughs) Speaking of that, like the timing of it, I wonder if there was like a don't let your kids talk to imaginary friends stage of like child development. Probably. I had imaginary friends, but I didn't tell people about them because it was a stigma. Yeah, because I remember feeling like I didn't want to tell people about I, Hmm. I had all kinds of imaginary friends, but I didn't tell people about them. I didn't tell anybody about. So what was one? I don't even know Bernard? how to... Bernard? Sp- no, I didn't have any with necessarily... Because that's the thing. If I think about it, I didn't name them. Uh-huh. I just talked to everything. I remember being a child outside or like in my closet in my room. I know that sounds strange. I was always in my closet. I think I was always supposed to be cleaning my room and I was mostly just like in the floor in the middle of a mess in my closet. Because that's how I feel about it. I was either outside because if I'm outside, then I'm not inside having a clean house. If I'm inside, then I'm in my room. You're having, hiding I'm, from cleaning I'm house. I'm hiding from cleaning house. I, that, that's what I remember about childhood. And the whole time that it was occurring, I was just as crazy philosophical then as I am now. And you worked out your philosophies with your teddy bear and your... I did. I got it. I talked to them about things. And when I was mad and when I was, you know, sad, I talked to everything, you know? And I wonder, I wonder if my mom ever heard me talking to myself in my room or was it, was I really one of those people that was really just talking inside my own head? You catch me talking to myself You now, talk to yourself all the but time. But I'm talking to myself. I'm not talking to my... Buddy Bill. Well, see, I talk to other things all the time. And my mom, of course, will answer this question immediately because she's my biggest fan. She will tell you whether or not she heard me talking to myself when I was little and whether or not. But I know, I know that I was talking to things, even if I wasn't talking out loud. Because I remember. Oh, I do it now for sure. I talk out loud now because because I don't have any like... You don't don't, care anymore. No, I don't care if somebody hears me talking out loud to myself. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to that rock. I'm talking to that beetle. I talk to spiders. You guys, I... And I'm serious. I'm not kind of like talking to something. I'm talking to it. And I'm listening for a response. And I'm watching interactions with it because... It's not imaginary to me. Maybe that's what it was. Maybe I didn't project it out because to me, it wasn't imaginary. I remember being older, an older kid, like 13, 14, 15, whatever, thinking I'm crazy. 
I am literally crazy. I cannot tell people anything that's going on inside my mind right now because they would send me to a mental institution. And like, now how are we supposed to react? I was doing the right thing when I was a child, talking to myself and talking to things. Those things are all real. Very real. So you would be upset to know that there was a period of time when like breastfeeding was off the table. Yeah. That uh, having an imaginary friend is a weakness. Stop it immediately. When I say any of this, like, I don't feel like any of this necessarily came down from my parents. Mm -hmm. I think it just was maybe like cultural norms. And certainly my parents were for a time, especially when I was younger, until we kind of broke through some of the molds, we were living a, you know, somewhat culturally normal, like, you know, upbringing, right? So we went to church, we went to the Methodist church, you know, whatever. And my mom was trying to raise us up, you know, right. in that, you know, way. Correctly, quote, so unquote. if I'm talking to things, mm -hmm. that's like occult stuff that's like the devil that's like not that my mom would have been my mom would have never treated me like that but that's the way that we were like raising our children back then you know like trying to help them you know be very uniform yeah but i do know that every time i get into these conversations with my mom these like spiritual philosophical conversations with my mom my mom is always like oh back when you were a kid and they were telling me this and that and this and that and i was like that's crazy and i like so we were involved in the church but my mom was always questioning all of the things they were telling us did you ever think you were going to get struck down with lightning my thing was the rapture has occurred and I'm alone <laughs> in the grocery store. I mean, yeah. that was, I mean, that was a fear. I, I get it. I, and it's rushing back to me right now. Yeah. My grandfather was a hell fire and brimstone Southern Baptist preacher. Yeah. That was like one of the first things you in told small me when I town, met you. And I was like, oh dear. In a small town, <laughs> the claws are bigger in these, in a smaller town. Yeah. That's my anecdote. Yeah. 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 I agree. There was a video shown at church. Yeah. And I was yeah. way too... It was like a horror movie to a yeah. young kid. <laughs> yeah. You have to make this decision or maybe because you're old enough, the age of accountability has occurred. You go to your parents' bedroom in the morning like you do every Saturday and they're not there. And, yeah. and half the world maybe or whatever the percentage is of born-again Christians is gone. So I'd be taken to the grocery store with my mom <laughs> and I was allowed to go to the magazine section. And I would read magazines and I'd get bored and I'd go find my mom. And you do that thing where you're looking down at aisle one, aisle two. Oh my God, the rapture has occurred. <laughs> and there's no cell phones yet. Some of those things that like get stuck in there carry through for a long time. I was a full-fledged adult before I was like, dude, I'm about to pull the brick out of that wall. I'm because concerned that is I've not offended someone that believes that. That believes what? The rapture, oh, as no. I just described oh. it. I'm concerned that I've offended somebody. I'm not trying to make light of what you believe. Right. As a young, young child, it was presented in a way That's, that created fear. Yeah, yeah. That's the part. For me, anecdotally. Yeah. I honestly think that's the goal is to create fear. It's not like a stance against whether you believe in the rapture or not. It's we just said this about the media. Fear keeps return fear. customers. Fear. That's it. There's You're the fear. solution to my fear. You're the cause of my fear. What a wacky cycle. Yeah. In my opinion. Well, it's very easy to sell you something. If you're afraid of it. I mean, that's marketing 101. I've said that a thousand times. They literally teach marketing students to manipulate you with persuasive fear-based emotional We're, conversation. I can't even believe I'm about to say this because we've gone too long. <laughs> but I saw an ADHD television ad. Uh, uh, oh, don't medicine. even. Don't even. Don't even. I, I've, already got a, I've, got, I've already got a gnawing feeling in the gut of my stomach. Okay. Hang on to that gnawing feeling in the gut of your stomach for next week's dinner table. <laughs> <laughs>
We love you guys. Be very, be afraid, <laughs> but know that next week we will give you the solution. What am I going to put on my tampon? <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Did I say anything today? I don't know. (laughs) You talked a lot. And I didn't feel like you were waiting for me. Sometimes you're like, when are you going to help me? I was like, no, she's just going. We'll see what happens. (laughs) 